The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. So it starts with right. gut. Yeah, but even that, you know, I find it very, what's the word? Off-putting. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? When somebody is introduced to me and they don't know me, we're right. networking, we met at an event, whatever, and they just boom, go into whatever it is they're selling or yeah. pitching or talking about. Did you, maybe you need this, I do, and you don't even hear yeah. them anymore. I mean, it just, you know, it's like that uh, voice <laughs> in Charlie wah, wah, Brown wah. when the, the yeah. parents are talking. Right. You just yeah. don't hear it. And you're, then you're thinking, how do I get out of this conversation? This happens in networking mm-hmm. all the time. That I, When I go to networking, sure, if somebody asks me what I do, I'll explain I'm a business attorney right. and I work with entrepreneurs and they do X, Y, and Z. But I don't lead with – like I'm not trying to yeah. get them to hear what I do. I want to mm-hmm. know what they do and hear their story. And I'll share stories when they right. tell me something. But I just find it very – a real turnoff. Well, I use that. the analogy of dating. Nobody asks somebody on a blind date to get married. And yet on LinkedIn, we get these requests <laughs> yeah, to, point. you know, connect and buy something without a right. relationship. So um, I think that's a very valid point that you need to build the relationship first. And the best way is to share your story. And then, of course, take an interest in what their story is. It's much better to establish rapport right. um, that way instead that of way. the weather or sports or something. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I uh, got an exciting guest on today. He's an author, he's an entrepreneur, and he's got a lot of good things to share with the audience. If you are listening on your favorite podcast directory, be sure to leave us a five star review wherever you can. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and like us and follow us and all those other things you can do on YouTube. So let's get on with today's show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. 
join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hey, I'm John Livesey, also known as the Pitch Whisperer. So many tech and healthcare sales teams struggle not to be seen as a commodity. And as if that's not bad enough, they just are so tired of coming in second place. After they hear my sales keynote talk on how to tell stories and win sales, they become revenue rock stars. All right, John. And uh, it's Livesey. You corrected me, right? Yes. I got it correct? Okay. Well, I appreciate you joining me today on a what's become a fairly warm Friday afternoon, at least in New Jersey, and to talk all about your background in business and as an entrepreneur, and then we can lead up to your book. Um, you're one of the few guests I've had on that have actually have an audio book that I've nice. been listening to, and we're going to talk about storytelling as a, um, I guess, as a technique of, of exactly. selling, really, right? About closing deals and connecting mm-hmm. with people. And I think it's an important topic because I think you know, selling is like a bad word to people that makes them very nervous and they don't connect. And I think the whole concept of how to, you know, be better at that communication is really important for the average business owner, entrepreneur and all that kind of stuff. So maybe we'll go backwards a little bit and um, we can, uh, you know, hear your story. Well, I majored in advertising because I was completely fascinated by what motivated people to change brands or behavior or what made an ad or a commercial memorable. And uh, turns out it's usually a story that does that. And I worked for an ad agency creating commercials for movies back when they were coming out on home video and Blockbuster was alive and well and thriving. And (laughs) we could reposition a movie that hadn't done well in the movie theaters and make it something that people would want to rent or own. So that's where I honed my storytelling skills. And at the agency, my job was to convince studios to hire us. I had a demo reel and I would... It was all about the story that I would tell that would convince them. And then I had a 15-year sales career at Condé Nast, which is GQ, Wired, Vanity Fair, Vogue, et cetera. Sure. And big accounts like Lexus would say, you know, we looked at 15 different brands. We've narrowed it down to five, and we're going to pick two. Right. And the five of you get to come in for 30 minutes and tell us why we should pick you, but don't talk about numbers. And half of the reps were a deer in headlights. Right. And I realized that whoever told the best story about the marketing idea or what made this magazine's editorial resonate psychographically with the target audience would get the sale. And so I applied my storytelling skills to winning business. And that's what led me to having a speaking career where companies today are actively seeking out a new way of selling that isn't pushy. And in fact, prevents them from being sure. so forgettable. Because if all you go in is talk about numbers, you're seen as a commodity and you're also forgettable. But if you tell a story that tugs at heartstrings, you have that emotional connection that people are looking for. Right. Yeah. And I think people don't want to be sold. They don't want to feel like you're trying to convince them that whatever you have is the best. They want to connect yes. with you. They want to think that you're a real person and that you actually have empathy mm. for them and all that kind of stuff. And you're right. A lot of people just get like so, and maybe part of it's nerves or inexperience or whatever, but even some experienced salespeople, like that's all they're taught to do. Go, you know, make your pitch, talk mm-hmm. about your stuff. And uh, I even have a couple people that are raising money for companies. And I'm like, listen, they don't want to go through your pitch deck and look at every number that you've laid out because first of all, they're projections. And second of all, they want to know they're investing yes. in you ultimately. Well, You're the person who's going to execute yep. this and they got to buy into your story, not – what some fabricated numbers are. So I, I think that that's something that people really overlook. It's very true, Mitch. In fact, investors say they you know invest in the 
um, jockey, not the horse, and you're the jockey and your idea is the horse. Yeah. And the best way to do that is your own story of origin. What motivated you to start this company? Um, how did you get into this business? Why is it a passion point for you? Because that's what they're looking for is a story about grit and passion, tenacity. And so instead of saying those words, if you can show it in a story, then they feel that right. it resonates with them. And then the second story you need to have is your company story. Even if it's just a one person company, how'd you come up with the name? Sure. What is it? You know, what are the values? What do you stand for? Um, what's your culture? Yeah. And then finally, I have this technique where I turn a boring case study, which has been around for decades, into a case story. And it's much more memorable and pulls people into it. And you need multiple stories depending on who you're talking to. So if you think of your brain like a playlist or a jukebox, instead of a different song coming out, you need to have a different story. The story you tell an investor is very different than the story you tell a CEO of a potential client. And a lot of people make that mistake when they pitch an investor, they just give them the same pitch they do a client. An investor has different criteria. Right. So, so what, what was your journey? I mean, is it mostly in sales? Have you owned your own businesses before and how did it develop? You obviously didn't write a book and start talking <laughs> about being a storyteller right, right from the get go. This did. took years and years yes. and years. Well, so, my first, entre- yeah, I mean, my first entrepreneurial story. experience was as a young lad in the suburbs of Chicago, um, having a paper route back when people read newspapers and I would have to go knocking right. on some people don't even know what a yeah, newspaper is. And I is. would have to go knock on doors to convince them to subscribe. And then I would be the one getting up at right. dawn to go deliver them. And then I have to go around at the end of the month <laughs> and collect the money. So it was a full you know, sure. experience of this is what it's like to have your own business. You do yeah, wear a lot of hats. Yeah, sure. And uh, right. But I did have a, a corporate career, as I mentioned, at Condé Nast. And during that time, I wrote my first book. And... The magazine okay. was so supportive and uh, launched book parties for me. And I ended up speaking to our advertisers' sales teams, whether it was a car company or a fashion company. And that's what launched my speaking yeah. career. And so for the last 10 years, I've been from the book mm-hmm. to speaking. What, what was that book? It was about? called The Seven Most Powerful Selling Secrets. It was all about how to not take rejection personally and um, taking concepts of staying in the moment, not getting attached to outcomes. Got it. And so it's always been about sales. And figuring out how to connect with people in a new way. Right, right, right. Yeah, because the old ways don't right. work. The old techniques. People see right, right through you. And you gotta you gotta be honest then. Transparent you know, and authentic. And transparent. Yes, and vulnerable even. Empathetic. Mm-hmm. The empathy right. thing, or let's double down on you. that. I have a whole phrase about yeah. um, for people who want to take notes. Soft skills make you strong. And our brain okay. goes, wait a minute, how can something soft make me strong? That alone causes you to lean in a little bit. So I define soft skills as listening, right. empathy, and storytelling. When you start focusing right. as much time developing those three skills as you do your hard skills, whether you're an architect or a lawyer or tech person, then you will be successful as an entrepreneur. Right. Because we connect with people emotionally, yes. right? I mean, we... So if we don't feel that emotional connection, we go with our gut. Maybe we shouldn't mm-hmm. a lot of times, but we do. And what do they say? You know, decisions are made emotionally backed exactly. up by logic. Yes. So they need to know what you do and know a little bit about your product, but they don't want to spend all this time, um, you know, just trying to make a decision that way. Because if they don't feel good about you, they're not going to Well, let's you. talk about that. The old way of doing it again is, yeah. oh, you got to get people to know, like, and trust you. We've heard that a hundred times. Um, and the problem right. with that belief is 
the first part, no. Oh, you need to know about my company. Let me give you more facts. Let me send you one more email with a number. Do you know enough now to buy? Right. And I flip the script on that. I right. start with trust. It's a gut thing. So we, is yeah. it safe to even yeah, open this email last. or have a meeting with you? And that's why if you get a warm right. introduction, the, trans is, the trust is transferred. So it starts with right. gut. Yeah, but even that, you know, I find it very, what's the word? Off-putting. Mm -hmm. Is that the right word? When somebody is introduced to me and they don't know me, we're right. networking, we met at an event, whatever, and they just boom, go into mm -hmm. Whatever it is they're selling or yeah. pitching or talking about, did you, maybe you need this, I do, and you don't even hear yeah. them anymore. I mean, it just, you know, it's like that uh, voice in <laughs> wah, Charlie wah, Brown wah. when the, the yeah. parents are talking. Right. You just yeah. don't hear it. And you're, then you're thinking, how do I get out of this conversation? This happens in networking mm -hmm. all the time. That I, When I go to networking, sure, if somebody asks me what I do, I'll explain I'm a business attorney right. and I work with entrepreneurs and they do X, Y, and Z. But I don't lead with – like I'm not trying to yeah. get them to hear what I do. I want to mm -hmm. know what they do and hear their story. And I'll share stories when they right. tell me something. But I just find it very – a real turnoff. Well, when people I do use that. the analogy of dating. Nobody asks somebody on a blind date to get married. And yet on LinkedIn, we get these requests <laughs> yeah, to point. you know connect and buy something without a right. relationship. So um, I think that's a very valid point that you – need to build the relationship first and the best way is to share your story and then of course take an interest in what their story is it's much better to establish rapport right um that way instead that of way. the weather or sports or something yeah right and especially since they don't know me or what i need or who's right. in my life or you know if my uncle does what they do or you know whatever happens to be i you know look a lot of there's a lot of attorneys out there so i don't know if you need a business attorney i'm certainly mm. not going to ask you but if you have a question that comes up, you know, I always say, listen, if anything comes up, you have a question, please just send me an email. I'm happy right. to answer questions. But at the same token, you do, you have to build that uh, relationship. I don't, you know, meet with clients and I'm already talking about, well, this is what it's going to cost if we did this and that. No, I, I you know, as a, even as an ethical professional, I have yes. to ask questions. Well, you're you like a doctor. Know them, the doctor doesn't give you a prescription without yeah. asking you some questions about your medical history and what brought you in today. And, and I always Right, not the ethical yeah, teach, ones. Teach um, salespeople to think of yourself like a doctor. You know, you've got to earn the right to ask yeah. some questions. But, you know, if you go to a therapist, let's say, as couples counseling, and you say, you know, we're right. having trouble in the bedroom. Um, we're just, the, the spark is yeah. gone. That's called the presenting problem. The therapist will know that okay. that's not the real issue. You think, if we just get that back, everything right. will be good. There's something else going on. And so the therapist keeps asking more questions. And it'll likely like, oh, trust got broken. My feelings got hurt. There's a lot of other reasons why the romantic spark is gone. So what I teach right. sales teams is when you're asking clients, what is your biggest challenge, your biggest pain point, whatever, what keeps you up at night? I also have them say this two word question after that. Anything else? And boy, right. does that open no, up right. other things that are really driving them nuts that aren't at the surface. And if you're the person asking anything else and getting more detailed to show more empathy for what they're struggling with, you're going to get the one, you're going to be the lawyer they hire, the architecture, the, the, the tech company they buy or the right. person they hire or the person they invest in. So um, I have an example right. of that if you'd like to hear. Absolutely. I was working with Honeywell and they make a fan that okay. they sell for operating rooms. And they were talking about how fast okay. the fans would spin and the particles in the air and all that tech stuff. 
And I, I said, yeah. let me ask you a question. What happens if the fan doesn't work properly? Because in order for a story to be meaningful, the stakes have to be high. We have to care about something. Right. And they said, well, you know, the patients could get infected. That fan has to keep that room clean. Right. I said, great. That's a good problem to solve. Anything else? And this is pre-pandemic. And they said, well, actually, now that you ask, the doctors and nurses in that room are cutting people open. There's smoke from the laser and all this stuff. And so if that fan doesn't do its job, they've got secondhand smoke damage. That's the story. Yeah. And we're no longer going to tell that story to purchasing people who just see fans as commodities. We're going to go to HR and say, this right. is the fan you need to keep your team safe and healthy. Right. And so a different sure. story to the right person got them a lot more sales all by saying anything else. Right. Yeah. Well, you don't want, they don't want a fan. They want what exactly. it does. Right. Exactly. I apologize. There's some background music and some people on the other side of the wall, but if you can't hear it, it's probably being blocked out by the, by the system. Um, okay. So what you just made me think of something that I wanted to ask you about. Um, Oh, I know when it, when it comes to like asking mm. questions and stuff, right? As a professional, mm. a lawyer, or even more so as a doctor, if you don't ask those questions, if mm -hmm. you don't say, you know, what, is there anything else and things like that, you may be doing something that's very detrimental to yes. somebody. Like the worst thing that an attorney wants to hear is a client later on say, oh, by the mm. way, and they tell you something that you hadn't asked and they didn't think was relevant or they forgot to tell whatever right. it is. And now you're like, boy, I wish I knew that three exactly. months ago. You know, we would have done something Especially totally Especially if you're different. going to court or something. Well, should we um, yeah. give some people some tips on how to have a good elevator story instead of an elevator pitch? I think that yeah, would be that helpful. would be great. You, I think that's a huge thing. They can go yes. to a networking event, and they're like, "All right, you have thirty seconds. Right. You go around the room. People vomit yeah. all over each other, and then you're like, it's, well, a, it's either memorized here. or robotic or boring. One of those three things. The, the old elevator right. pitch. Right. And so I have a. All right. So if you're listening, you take very. Notes. If you're driving, pull over. <laughs> five step easy process. I start with you know how. Okay. Because that's how we talk to our friends. You know okay. how this winter's been really cold or whatever. And then the second part is, right. and you describe who you help. And in my case, I said, you know, okay. a lot of salespeople in healthcare and tech. Then the third step is, what are they struggling with? Describe their pain point. They, the people that you're yes, trying to help. The people I'm, the tech sales yes. reps and healthcare sales reps are struggling. Use the word struggle. Not to be seen as a commodity. Right. And word. as if that's not bad enough, I stack another problem on it. They're seen um, as, you know, they're tired of coming in second place when they pitch against competitors. Right. Then you introduce your solution. Yeah. I'm known as the pitch whisperer. I come in and I give a sales keynote on telling stories to win sales. And then the fifth step is what is life like after? After people learn how to tell stories, they become revenue rock stars. In fact, one client just won three new business pitches in a row. Boom. God. And that's like we're talking like that's 30, 30 seconds. seconds. 45 yeah. seconds. And the yeah. whole goal of an elevator story is to intrigue people enough to go, that's interesting. Tell me more. What's a revenue rock star or what's a pitch whisperer? It doesn't matter what they ask. I've planted some seeds to intrigue them. So in your particular case. Yeah, you just want to open the open up the conversation, yeah. right? And it's, you're going to stand out against the first three steps. You don't say anything about you. It's right. who you're helping and what their problem is and getting it conversational. So if I was working with. What is it? W-I-I-F-M, right? right? Me, what's in it for right? me? So if I was, you know, instead of you saying right. I'm a business attorney. You would say, you know how right. there are so many entrepreneurs out there struggling 
who have this right with to whatever. get their business set up legally or you know um, getting whatever the problems are that they struggle with uh, lawsuit or their LLC isn't set up properly and it bites them in the butt when they try to sell the company or whatever it is right so I sure. come in as right. an expert that specializes in startups as a business attorney and after working with me these entrepreneurs have peace of mind knowing that everything's in, you know set up not just for the present but for the long term future of the company that's excellent. So I'm going to put those five steps in the show notes so people can know. You know what? It's kind of like the old – it's a better twist on – have you heard of Feel Felt oh, yes. Found as exactly. a sound, sound yep. technique, Handling right? Objections. It's like a yeah. better – right. It's like a better approach to that because it, it really sets you up. And I think you're right. People need a structure mm-hmm. because, okay, let, we're going to go around the room and introduce ourselves and everybody's all over the board. Right. You don't have them. You can't remember them. One of them goes too long and then you can't remember everybody yep. else. But if they follow that formula, life would be a lot simpler for it's everybody. It's all about telling a story that people see themselves in. So they'd be like, well, I don't yeah. have a, my own business, but my neighbor does, my friend does. And so they've told me what they're worrying about. And so they identify with the person in your story right. and you're like Yoda or a Sherpa helping people climb Mount Everest, which could be a great analogy for yeah. you know trying to set up a business. It's Mount Everest. You can do Absolutely. it by yourself right, and get so lost and frustrated, or you can work with me and I've helped you thousands of the mountain. Yeah, entrepreneurs right. just like you get up the mountain much faster without all the headaches. It's funny. I, I, you talk about storytelling. I once saw a, I guess it was a motivational speech at a sales conference from a guy and the, the name of the speech was called The Right Mountain. And it was a story it was obviously an analogy to his experience with his son. It was a story about his son and him, how they climbed. They, they did. They climbed Mount Everest. He's not a regular climber, but they wanted to do this. It was something that they wanted to do. And he said he, they went to see this guy who runs these programs. And the first thing this guy says is to disarm them is, okay, let's start with a conversation. There are three ways you can die mm. on Mount Everest. That was like the first thing the guy said. Got your attention. And it was all about you know the right mountain and being on the right mountain at a particular day. Some days they work, you're just on the Mm. wrong mountain and you got to get off the mountain and you got to go home and start over tomorrow and that's fine too, right? Just getting, life's just beating the crap out of you. Um, And I remember that whole whole analogy because it's shocking. I guess when you shock somebody, they... They remember things more clearly, but I, I, lo- I love that. So people listening, I'm, I'm huge on networking, but I'm also like very impatient when I come to standing around in a room, watching 50 people tell me all about what they do. So listen to John, take the five, <laughs> the five step formula and create a very good pitch or not pitch Ele- uh, elevator you story know, description mm-hmm. of what you do. Elevator story. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that because that would work in an elevator, yeah, right? The same I mean, amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So why don't we do this? Uh, I usually take a commercial break at 20 to 30 minutes and we're at about 22 minutes. So let me play the commercials. And when we come back, we'll talk about some more advice for entrepreneurs, people getting started and the kind of uh, objections they do. Does that make sense? Okay. We'll be back soon. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business, or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. 
AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right. So, John, um, we were saying and talking about the uh, the five step elevator Mm -hmm. story. Is that what it was? Elevator story. And don't use the word pitch. Nobody likes pitch. We want to stay away from that. And how to be more memorable and effective about um, you know when when you present yourself to people. But maybe we can get into because I'm listening to your book. But we want to get people enticed to listen to your book or to Mm -hmm. buy your book or to read your book. People still read these days. And, uh, you know, maybe you want to give me some tidbits from sure. the book. Well, The Sale is in the Tale is a business okay. fable set here in Austin where I live. Okay. And it's a story about a sales rep struggling who's stuck in a slump and doesn't know how to get out of it. And the old way of pushing okay. out facts and figures and memorizing everything is just not doing it anymore. And he meets someone who she right. helps him learn how to tell stories and it helps him not only go from possibly being fired to getting promoted and then actually helps him in his personal life. And at the end of the book is a methodology on exactly what, how to tell all the different kinds of stories, whether it's an elevator story, uh, your own story of origin or a case story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a, I told you that when we talked the first time, I'm a big fan of books that are written like that. The, uh, you know, the, the Ken Blanchard series books and, um, one of my favorite books is a referral of a lifetime, which is a story. And you turned me on to get naked, getting naked, which yep, is another wonderful. fable story. Cause the other ones are just boring. I can't yeah, read people telling me technically what I should be doing. That's not right. life. It just doesn't resonate. You so know, a story about storytelling, a good fable, you know, you actually, I have people emailing me going, Oh, I thought Ben and so-and-so were going to get together. And I'm like, it wasn't that kind of book, but the fact that they cared enough about the characters <laughs> makes me happy that they were involved in the story. Right, right, right. Um, so, uh, but I like that you did the audio version and you read I it did. yourself. Yes. So that takes a lot of um, commitment to do because you don't do it no, in one sitting, it right? About, it must've been um, hours in the studio. Three different sessions, each one about two hours. And then there was another session where they yeah. call it a pickup where you go in and, restate something you mispronounce clean things up and yeah 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 it must be exhausting though to read for two hours well you got to keep your energy up uh, speaking i and could you do change your voice especially if you're playing different characters so 
it was a lot of fun. I liked it. Right. In your case. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, even look, even when you're reading your voice inflection should yes. change. I mean, you, 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 because people are going to turn it off. Your voice is like a musical you instrument know, and they're not yeah, gonna, it needs to be, you know, we don't, music's not at the same sound volume and there's pauses and silence. And I really right. teach people how confident people are in fact comfortable with pauses. Like when Very I was on so. television and they would say, what makes a good pitch? I go, oh, it's clear, concise, and compelling. And then I watched the footage back with my media coach. And he said, I know you're on live TV. And I know you're nervous because your adrenaline's going. But you need to pause right. between those three words for people to digest it. it and so right. the technique is you say the word to yourself silently. So a good pitch is clear, clear, concise, concise, and compelling. So it sounds like this. A good pitch right. is clear, concise, and compelling. And then yeah. no, I knew very, very early on when I started public speaking and even with what mm -hmm. I do here, you really have to slow down your audience. It's, you know what it's equivalent to? It's like when you get your first video <laughs> camera, right? And you're videoing your trip and you're just taking clips of things and then you get back and you watch it and you, you can't even watch <laughs> it. You, you have to video things and, you know, because your mind is so fast. Right. <laughs> You have to video things slowly and do like a, you know, eight, 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever. You can't just like turn it on for 30 seconds. It's going to be right. a blip. And I think that's people don't realize, but a lot of it has to do with nerves and practice yes. and, you know, getting comfortable within your own skin yeah. and not, you know, like don't listen to your, I think people do that. They listen to themselves and they're like, oh my God, I sound terrible. Mm -hmm. What am I saying? And they, and they don't realize what they're saying or what their mannerisms are, or, you know, they're rubbing their head, they're, they're picking their ear. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever goes on. I remember one of my kids had a play. They were little, it was like preschool or something. And they were, one of the girls was the star of the play. And I think during the show, like one of the shows, something was bothering her or whatever. And she like had her dress up. Oh. She had those little shorts on and she was like scratching her nose, like the whole play. Um, you know, cause you don't even think no. about this stuff, the kids, uh, and I don't even think she was nervous. I think she just did it subconsciously. Didn't realize what she was doing. Cause when you're little, you're not really nervous no. about, you don't know. It's only when we get older and we start worrying about so, whether people like us or not. And, and of course that's the kiss of death. You can't be there trying to impress people. You have to be there, uh, of service, whether you're a keynote speaker like I am, or you're a salesperson. It's all about, I'm right. not trying to impress so, you. I'm trying to be of service. Yeah. I mean, if you think you're trying to impress somebody, it just puts more pressure on yeah. you and you're just going to appear nervous. And then you make other people, you know, it's not even like you getting nervous that you don't realize you're making other people uh, nervous because yeah. they're thinking, oh my God, I'm glad I'm not up there. I feel so bad for him. And they don't yeah. hear anything that you're it's, saying. Uh, going back to the dating analogy, you know? right? If you're trying to impress somebody, you're yeah. trying too hard. Just relax, be yourself. And if, right. if it's a fit, it's just a be fit. Yourself. It's because not, uh, you not. know what? You can't. Yeah. And you're not going to keep that up for the rest of your life anyway. So you might as well just be right. who you are. I remember I had a friend of mine later got married. I think they're still together. But I think when I, when he, I met him, I said, how long have you been dating such and such? Oh, like about eight or nine years. I'm like eight. And you know, we're in our twenties, yeah. late 20, eight or nine years. Are you going to get married? Yeah. Someday. I just want to be sure that, you know, mm -hmm. we're at, I was like, listen, if she's putting on a show for you yeah, for nine years, actress. she's going to do it for yeah. the rest of your life. So you know, like make a, make a decision already. And eventually, uh, eventually they got married. So, um, you're the story in the book, right? The, the mm -hmm. fable, 
give us a little flavor of what the story is. And it, is it from personal like experience, like things that you went through yes. and you it's, extrapolated it's it from a lot of my own experiences of um, having a bad boss, um, for example. Um, okay. It's like dramatic exactly. nonfiction. Yes. And um, <laughs> how you have to rise above that and not take that feedback personally. You know, rejection in general, whether it's from your boss right. or a client, um, is a thing we all yeah. struggle with. And so I figured if I could show that in a story right. of how you learn to become a little more resilient. And one of the key takeaways right. people are loving from the book is this concept of five, five, five. So you think of yourself like the movie director of, of your own life. And if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you say, is this going to bug me for five minutes or am I going to obsess about it forever? Um, so I say, you know, Good ask rule. yourself, will this matter in five minutes, five hours or five days from now? And it's an easy right. to remember, remember and an book. easy to use technique. And it helps us become more resilient yeah. so that when the next potential client calls or is in front of us, we're not holding on to the past negativity. Right. So I have teams yeah. now telling me, you know, we worked so hard on this project. We didn't get it. Normally, we'd be talking about it for a couple of weeks and we decided to five, five, five it. We said, okay, we can complain about this for five hours and then we're not going to talk about it ever again. Right. Well, it's like road rage. You know, you, you're like giving parts of your yeah. life away for things that don't matter. And you and I both know that 99 times out of 100, the rejection is not about you. Right. We all tend to take that personally. We, and we just Then we reject ourselves. I guess somebody else could have gotten a yes. Right. I must be bad. Or maybe I'm selling something that's not good. Right. So that's don't do that to yourself. I used to do that to myself when I'd get a no. I'd reject myself. I'd reject what I... Yeah. Beat yeah, so up. it's just no now doesn't mean no forever. And it doesn't, you don't have to get a yes from everyone you speak to either. It's like in baseball, right. you know, they don't hit a home run every time and yet they're considered. Not even close. So, what a good hitter is 300, yeah. three right. out of 10. So yeah. just adjust your. Yeah, no, judgment. I think that we. Yeah, well, I, I mean, look, sometimes it's maybe you're not communicating things well and they didn't realize the benefit that you get or why, yeah. why it's, you know, you're, and you got to work on that. But. For the most part, I think it's not, you know, people should just have a little bit more yeah. confidence in, in, in what they do and not beat them. Because it's like you said, it doesn't serve any purpose for you to beat yourself no. up over a lost sale because, first of all, you can't salvage it. And second of all, you just feel like crap and there's no reason to feel like crap. You got to go on the yeah, next The old thing. way of selling is that always be closing, pushing, pushing, pushing. And I right. reframed it to ABK, which is always be kind, starting with the way you talk to yourself. Good. You right. Know, like you, well, that's the difference between being an empathetic salesperson and just being somebody mm -hmm. who's trying to, you know, right. that's sell. My personal mission roofs, is to help as whatever. many people as possible get off the self-esteem roller coaster. Yeah. You know, we only feel good if things are going great and bad if they're not because it's exhausting and it burns right. you out. And yeah. if, once we can let go of something outside of ourselves determining our self-esteem in the moment, then we're free of reacting to everything with such, you know, dramatic impact. It's like, Oh, that didn't happen. All right. It doesn't mean I'm bad. It doesn't mean I'm not what I have isn't good. It just means that was a no now as a, and then also you're not so attached to needing the feedback because if you're constantly looking for right. positive feedback, that's kind of a bottomless pit. It's never good enough. If you haven't given yourself enough of a sense of this is my purpose, this is my mission. I know it's making an impact. I don't need other people to constantly be telling me how great I am. 
in order to feel great. I already come from a place of I'm enough. And from that standpoint, you're not attached to the outcome. Yeah. So is that, and I know we've touched on this already, but is that some of the common mistakes yes. that you see people make or the traps they're falling into? Maybe we can go over some sure. more of those. Well, let's go back to the three and C's. people can say, oh yeah, yeah. I do that. <laughs> so the yeah. big mistakes in storytelling is they're not, it's not clear. You're confusing people with a bunch of acronyms. And the confused mind, we know, always right. says yeah, no. Big time. Right? And they're not going to tell you they're confused. Especially in technical professions, yeah. yeah. Uh, the second mistake Lawyers I see people terrible. making is it's not a concise story. It goes on, it rambles, people are bored. Um, and I teach people how to tell a story that isn't rambling. And because here's why you need your story to be concise. So that people can remember it and repeat it. Yeah. The meeting after right. meeting, you know, a client hears three pitches and then they have another meeting and they go, well, what'd you think? They all sound the same. I guess we should go with the cheapest. That's not what anybody wants. Yeah. But if you've told a story that's concise, they can go, you know, Mitch told us a story of another client he helped and then they repeat it. That sounds a lot like us. Let's go with Mitch. Um, and then right. the third part is compelling. That's you have to have the stakes have to be high. There has to be some emotion to it for us to feel something or we don't care what happens in the story. Right. So um, those are the three yeah. mistakes I see. One of those three things is not happening. And so I teach people when you have a story, practice it with your coworkers, your friends, and ask them, was that clear? Yeah, not really. Was it right. concise? It could be shorter. And did you feel anything? Not really. Okay. They got to work on one of those three things. Right. I did that once with my elevator pitch, you know, when I was younger and I would use too, too many technical terms that I thought yeah. were simplified. But, and I asked a friend of mine who doesn't practice law and I said, well, what do you think I do? And what do you think of that? And they said, well, I know what you do, but I have no idea what you just wow. said. And I learned to, I'm probably still yep. certain technique, oh. a little too technical as to certain things. I don't know how to yep. simplify, but I remember a story now that we're doing storytelling today. It reminds me of things. Um, my father, um, who I miss very much, passed away in Sorry. December. He's He was in the life insurance business since 1965. And I went to all mm. of these fantastic, you know, sales conference, a million dollar right. round table, top of mm. the table, um, the ones in Washington and everything. And I remember a guy, life insurance salesman, maybe he was a lawyer too. And he was explaining how he tells clients what estate planning is, right? And why you need, in this case, life insurance or money, let's say, mm. to pay your estate taxes. And he reaches into his lapel pocket and he takes out a lollipop, a, a Tootsie mm -hmm. Pop. And he said to the group, he said, now, does anybody know what this is and why it's different than a lollipop? And somebody said, yeah, well, that's a Tootsie Pop. And somebody says, well, what's, what's the difference? Or he said, well, what's right. the difference? Somebody said, well, it's got the mm -hmm. soft center. So he drew on the board this lollipop and he said, you know, your estate is the hard outer shell of uh, with yeah. your assets. Right. Those are your boat, your car, your house, all these things. And when you die, and this was a time when estate taxes were, you know, 50%. Now we have a threshold that's much higher, but it's still 50%. The IRS, right, comes and lops off the top of the lollipop <laughs> and takes half of the lollipop and everybody's shaking their head. He goes, no, 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 that is not what happens. What they do is they suck out the Tootsie Pop, oh, the soft yeah. center. They don't want your car and your boat and your hard assets. They want your cash. And it's your cash that supports the wow. whole estate. Now, he said one of the great things about this mm -hmm. story is that my customer, my client, takes the lollipop. I give him the lollipop. And he puts it in his lapel. Now, this was a little bit chauvinistic, a little bit before 
you know, because it was saying yeah. the wife, the husband goes home, but the spouse goes home with the lollipop and his wife is now putting his coat away or I don't know, whatever, and pulls out the lollipop yeah. and says to his the husband, Where, where'd you get this lollipop? And he says, honey, it's not a lollipop, it's Tootsie uh, Pop. And can tell the whole yeah. story of what estate planning is and why they should have cash Love available it. when when he dies. It's probably the best simplest yeah, all, um, clear, story that I've ever heard about how to describe yeah, it. All of those things. Yeah. And that's what makes us feel something. Yeah. Um, and also there's a villain in the story. It's yeah. the IRS, right? The stakes are high. You're, right. You know. Right. And by the way, he I learned I heard that story 25 years ago. I can exactly. still remember it and tell you the story today because it was a mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if the lesson today is, you know, create stories around your business and what you do and how to relate with right. people. And it doesn't always have to be about your business, right? It could just be stories about what you have experienced in life that you want to share sure. with somebody. And, you know, you'll get a lot farther farther, and be much more memorable because isn't the end of the day, that's just what we're all that's trying to be, trying right? To be. Remembered. Yes. And, you know, we process stories yeah. in a different part of our brain than we do numbers. You know, you can. I'm not you know, surprised. Right brain, right, left brain, you right? You can um, remember yeah. the lyrics to a song, but you probably can't yeah. remember the first five pages of a book word for word, right? It's just. Right. You wouldn't remember the lyrics if they were just written down a piece of paper with right, no music. Exactly. And the same thing with the story. You're right. going on a journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you coming uh, on and sharing, you know, the whole concept because, you know, one of my pet peeves is, I mean, I have a lot of pet peeves with <laughs> business owners. I don't write business plans and things in writing, all this kind of stuff, but their inability to sell what it is, whatever it is they're offering, or their unwillingness to mm. even recognize that that's what yeah. they do, because we all sell, right? right? Yeah. Is frustrating. And when you have somebody who says, hey, here's a different twist on it. Here's something that'll make you more yeah. comfortable. At the end of the day, it's not that you don't sell. It's that you have to figure out how to be comfortable with what it is that you're telling people about that you want to charge them for, right? And you never want to say that. And that's what I think is really special about what it is you're doing and saying and the message that you're putting out there. So the book, right, is available on uh, – it's right behind yeah, you, the blow up Yeah, there. the sale is in the tail. Amazon, yes, right? Amazon or anywhere you buy books, Audible. Or yeah. Audible. Right. And what's a good way for people to connect with you, yeah. learn from you? Is there a yes, website? My website we'll is put my links name, in the show johnlivesay.com. Um, if you tech out okay. your phone and text the word pitch, P-I-T-C-H, to 66866, you get the first chapter for free. And people love... 66866. Six, yeah, okay, I'll put that in the show and notes the word too. pitch, P-I-T-C-H. And that's a fun way to get the first chapter to see if you want to find out what happens next. And if you can't remember any of that, just go to the Google the Pitch Whisperer and all my content shows up that way. Excellent. Well, I I think um, I hear a um, podcast miniseries in that book. I think you should create like a podcast that people can digest oh, parts nice, of the book thanks. or maybe an expansion of the book, right? Mm-hmm. The next edition should be a podcast. I think that's great a great idea. way Thank to, you. Um, you know, to, to, to promote it. And um, yeah. So are you on LinkedIn yes, also? I'm on LinkedIn as well. And Instagram at the Pitch Whisperer and LinkedIn has video clips of me speaking. So if anybody's interested in having me come as a, at a sales kickoff meeting as a speaker, you can see some of the stories and some of the demos and the audience okay. reactions and responsiveness and how it impacts people's culture. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. 
Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.